place we stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you. We praise you for all that you've done. We ask your blessings upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. One final sermon. Your members, friends of Triad Adventist Fellowship, it's with a heart full of gratitude and mixed emotions that I stand before you today. But I haven't changed my mind. I wondered when I woke up this morning if my mind would be changed. It hasn't. This is the right decision. For nearly a decade, I've had the privilege of serving as your pastor. And we have grown, we have shared, and we have worshiped together. And now, as I prepare to take my leave, I want to share a few thoughts, probably a lot of stories, and some words of encouragement. Let me start by counting our blessings and reflecting on the journey that we have been on together. Psalm 100 verse 4 reminds us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Think of the lives transformed in this church. The friendships forged. The spiritual growth that has taken place because of this place. This church began a long time ago through the, through the thoughtful letter of Emily Eglinger who asked to play a cajon, actually not a cajon, a djembe at the Kernersville Church. She said, can I play a drum? And that letter started some discussions. Started some discussions on why that couldn't be done. On what could we do about it. It started some discussions on maybe there's room for another church in the triad. It started discussions of choosing people, 12 people who some of them I'm glad to see here today, who decided to meet every single week for nine months before we ever had a worship service. We became a family, those 12 of us. And I still count each and every one of them, even though Pastor Reed has gone on to his sleep, I count each and every one of them, some of my closest friends and people that I know that if I ever needed help, they would be there. We met for nine months, planted a church that we had no idea would ever grow to what is here today. We planted a church thinking that we'd be lucky if we had 30 or 40 people. 
I remember sitting in that room and we were trying to figure out what the church budget was going to be and we had no idea one if anyone else would even come to the church so we each got a piece of paper and we wrote down what each one of us would be willing to contribute we then added up those numbers and that was the church budget because we were the only ones that we knew for certain would show up so we didn't want to count on any money other than that those that was the beginning of what would become Triad Adventist Fellowship, a letter from a 14-year-old. I think of the baptism that we've seen generally right over here. Some of you I see, I remember your baptisms. I remember some baptisms more than others. I remember one of the very, I think actually the first baptism was Mary. Man, that was a cold day in wintertime, and we didn't have a heater for that uh, baptistry back then. That water was freezing. But to see her come up out of the water, a changed person. I think of Sandra, who I mentioned the last time I was up here, Sandra Taylor, seeing her baptized. I think of Autumn, who's not here today. I think of Jason, who's here today. I, I think of Ty, who's back running the soundboard. I remember meeting with Ty at Starbucks and having Bible studies. I remember baptizing Ty as part of Roger Hernandez's series. I remember Roger's series like they were yesterday, some of the amazing music that took place on this stage during those series. See, I have a lot of memories, and some of you are newer. And you don't know that past. So part of what I want to do today is share some of those stories. The baptisms, the beginning, the lifelong friendship, the growth that this church has seen. I'm grateful for the unwavering support of this church over the years. We've faced trials and tribulations. But your faithfulness has been a constant source of strength, not only for this church, but for me. I remember early on, before this church existed, there was an important vote that was going to take place in Kernersville. Whether or not the Kernersville church would support us as a church plant. And I remember sitting in that room waiting for that vote. I remember looking around the room, and in my head, I'm counting votes from who's in the room. And in my head, I know we don't have the votes in my head. But what I forgot in my head was that God looks at the heart. And when that vote was taken, it wasn't unanimous by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a vast majority voted to go forward. I started thinking while we were sitting there, I need to call some more people. Who, who lives close enough to the church that I think would vote on my, on my side? It wasn't my side, it was God's side. Who could I get to get there? God already knew what that vote was going to be. He knew that this church needed to happen. And he was going to, he had the votes the entire time. I didn't need to worry about anything. 
then just this very building that we're meeting in is a miracle. Now, most of you won't know this story. Those that were there at the beginning will remember we had another location that we thought was perfect. It would hold about 50 people. That's all we really needed because we were going to be a small little church. We met with them. We looked at it. We were getting ready to sign a lease on that facility a week before we were supposed to hold our first worship service. And I met with them and getting ready to sign, and they said, now, what time are you going to be here on Sunday? I said, ooh, uh, we're a Seventh-day Adventist church. We're going to be here on Saturday. And they had told me all along, we don't use this at all on the weekends. We never use it on the weekends. All of a sudden, they back out. Kind of the first time I ever felt discriminated against based upon my day of worship. It had been easy up to that point. Now we're a week out with no location. And the pastor of this Sunday church at the time was a friend of Sandy Einhoe. And Sandy was driving by one time. It was before that storage facility was out there. You could actually see the facility from the road on 68. And she was driving by, and she saw his truck in the parking lot. And she drove in, and she, she talked with him and said, hey, you know, my, my, I'm part of a church plant. We're a week away, and we, we don't have a location. Would you guys be willing to rent to us? And we knew that this was way more than we would ever need. They said, you know what, we're actually kind of struggling for money. We're just trying to upfit this place. Sure, we'll rent from you, rent to you. That's why we are in this physical location. See, those early days, this building was different. There was no carpet. There was no wall back here. It was just the garage doors. If you've never been behind the stage, there's garage doors back there, and it was just garage doors. The sound booth wasn't back there. It was over there. So it changed a lot over the years. We used to have breakfast out. We had breakfast always out in the lobby, but we used to have lunch out in the lobby. You know, we've been having that recently, but that was the only place. There was no lunch place over there back in the early days. Trials and tribulations. Where are we going to meet? Didn't think that was going to be one. One that I kind of saw coming a little bit because I brought it on myself. You see, I stood on this stage and I had a sermon series that, that was called Is It Okay for a Christian to dot, dot, dot? And one week, I thought it was going to be super smart to talk about, is it okay for a Christian to smoke marijuana or to drink alcohol? <laughs> That's what the conference thought. And that led to a meeting with the conference. They drove all the way up here just to meet with us. It wasn't really a pleasant meeting. And, and I anticipated going into that meeting and I was going to get the brunt of the meeting. I was the one who stood up here and preached that sermon. 
But in that meeting, I barely said a word. The leadership team, those other 12 people sat there, and they, it's almost like I wasn't even in the room. They took the brunt. They stood up. They had my back. Now, I don't know whether they really agreed with that sermon or not, but it was a family. It was a group that supported each other. Been trials and tribulations. The past is a teacher. We learn from our experiences and our mistakes. Romans 8.28 assures us that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Reflect on the lessons that we've learned both individually and collectively as a church and carry them into the future. Through every challenge, every tear shed, every moment of joy and laughter, we have witnessed the faithfulness of our almighty God. His grace has sustained us. His love has guided us. And his mercy has lifted us up. Remember that God's faithfulness has been our anchor in every single storm. I remember it was either the second or the third week that we had church. Jean Carey, who was the lunch queen, original lunch queen, she was out there getting ready and she decided to go to the bathroom. She went into the bathroom, and the next thing I know, people were asking, has anyone seen Jean? She got locked into the bathroom. Like the entire service locked into the bathroom. We called a locksmith. We had to essentially break into the bathroom to get Jean out of the bathroom. After that, I remember Jean, whenever Jean would go to the bathroom, she'd take somebody with her, and they'd stand at the door, and she would never close the door. She'd always have somebody guarding the door so that nobody would walk in, but she would never close or lock that bathroom door ever again. That, door, that bathroom's still here, by the way. I'm not going to tell you which one, just in case it happens again. Still fun stories like that. I remember another, you know, we had storms at the beginning. I remember it was one of those first Sabbaths. I was up here preaching, and in the middle of my sermon, the power goes out. The breaker gets tripped. And the problem was, this was early on, and, and I was really the only one who knew where the breaker was. I mean, I can almost see it from here. But I was really the only one who knew where it was. So I finished the sermon with my <clears throat> court voice, uh, a little bit louder. And then I realized that as the praise team got up here, they didn't have any power either. So literally as I, I said, I kind of got ready. I said amen, and then I took off. I ran as quick as I could to that breaker room and flipped the breaker to try and get power back on because I knew that the praise team needed power to sing. Some fun stories like that. Or the time I was standing up here again preaching and I felt something on the back of my neck. I thought it was a stink bug because if you haven't noticed, there's some stink bugs in this building. It was not a stink bug. It was a wasp. 
And I reached back and I grabbed it. As soon as I got it into my hand, I realized that is not a stink bug because it just stung me. And I did like that, threw it, and just kept on going. The rest of the day, my hand was hurting. And I asked people afterwards, they said, you got stung by a wasp? I said, nah, played that off pretty good, didn't I? <laughs> Think of COVID. Boy, that hit us, didn't it? I remember trying to figure out how in the world were we going to do church during COVID. I remember, I think at least on one occasion, meeting Reza and Madison at a gas station down in Liberty, North Carolina, because here's how we were doing it. They were recording the music, videoing the music, and I was at home generally with my cats walking around in the background that I didn't even know about recording the sermon, but then we had to merge those two video files to then live stream it on Saturday morning. I remember meeting them on a Friday night with our laptops there trying to merge these files so that we could, it would be ready for Saturday morning. I remember bringing sofas up onto the stage, trying something different with cameras around us having worship during COVID. I remember going live just during the week for random occasions and having some worship, which went not only in this area, but went international. We had people, I think from Brazil, if I remember correctly, who were joining those, watching them sing music. I remember going with Reza, Madison, and Brandon, hopping in the car during COVID, and, and driving to some of your houses for impromptu concerts. Now, I was the video man. Trust me, I wasn't singing or playing anything. I was just there for video purposes. I remember meeting with Jason on coming back to church video. We, we went out and literally sat in my car and videoed my car pulling into the parking lot from, this is what happens when you get to church now, and this is the hallway you come down, and you got to look for the X's on the chairs because you can only sit in that chair but not that chair. COVID was tough. See, it was probably during COVID that I first thought about stepping down. But I kept praying God for his leadership. And the only answer I could ever get from God was get the church through COVID. Get them back into this room from COVID. And that was really all I could ever hear from God until I made the decision to step down. It's kind of like when they got to the Jordan River and they're standing there and like, well, how in the world are we supposed to cross this river? It wasn't until they took that step in that the water stopped. See, when I made that decision finally that it was time to step down, God then spoke and told me I was right told me that the time was right, that it was something that I needed to do, that it was something that this church needed. Now, those in leadership might be freaking out a little bit right now that they don't really like that idea. I sent Mark like a six-page document of 
uh, usernames and passwords. He said, what are all these websites? I said, I don't know. I mean, we used them at one point in time in the past 10 years. We might not use it now, but I figured you should have it. See, change, it's a part of life. And it's often a part of the divine plan. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 tells us that there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. As I step down from my role as pastor, it signifies a new season, both for me and for you as a church. Now, what does my future hold? I don't know. It holds probably a lot of murder trials, unfortunately. It holds some rest in the near future. What does it hold in the future? I don't really know. See, about a month ago, I had the privilege of being out in Portland as being asked to speak by the North American Division at a church planter's boot camp. And I was only ever there because of this church, because I wasn't a church planter before this church. And when I was there, people started hearing that, that I was stepping down. And person after person who've known me for about a decade now and knew that I was a church planner came up and they said, we're not surprised, which I wasn't expecting. They said, you're a church planter. You shouldn't stay at a church for too long. You should plant churches hadn't thought of that so is there another church plant in me in the future I don't know right now I'd say heck no right now I'm tired in the future I don't know right now I'm a member of this church I don't know what the future holds but but for you for Triad Adventist Fellowship this is my 100% opinion. This is the best church in the Carolina Conference. There's no other church in the conference that I would want to be a member of. You're the best. Keep moving forward. Don't get lazy. Don't get comfortable. See, the, the easiest way to ruin a good thing is to stop moving is to get comfortable. Embrace change with faith and with courage, knowing that God is always present. He has always been present in this church. He has always guided us, and he has always led us. And he is not going to stop now. The Bible is full of promises that offer hope and encouragement for the future. Jeremiah 29, 11, probably one of the most well-known verses says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Trust in God's plan for this church. Know that he has a purpose for this church. He will continue to bless you 
and to guide you has never failed us before. No matter what the situation was, whether it was not having a building, whether no matter what it was, he has never failed this church. And my parting words are simple, but yet crucial. I urge you to continue fostering unity and love within this church because that is what makes you distinctive. A church that's unified. A church that is loving. No matter what you come here wearing, whether it's shorts and a t-shirt or a three-piece suit, you are welcomed here. No matter what you smell like, no matter what you may have had to drink before you came in, no matter whether you were smoking right before you came in, you are welcomed and loved here. And I remember one Sabbath morning, a young lady walked into the church. She was wearing a sundress. It was a summertime, and she was wearing a sundress, and she had almost a full-sleeve tattoo. We walked up and welcomed her didn't judge got the other young adults around her and they met and they they started they sat together they had lunch together and she ultimately told the story that she had been to many other adventist churches in the area and each one when they saw her tattoo they asked her to cover it up she said this was the last Place she was going. It was the last church she was going to give a chance to. If someone would have walked up to her and said, you know, that's not really appropriate, can you cover that up? She would have walked away from church. But this church accepted her. This church loved her, was unified. That is what makes this the best church in the conference. It's not the speaker. It's not the music. Sorry, people. It, it's, it's none of those things. It's not even the amazing lunch and breakfast. What makes this church the best is the unity and the love. John said in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's nothing in there about judging. Nothing in there about gossiping. It's all about love. And love as Jesus loved. Jesus didn't just love the disciples, even though they were a bit of a ragtag bunch themselves. Remember they said Jesus was judged himself because he, he ate with sinners and drunkards. That's how we should love. No matter who they are, no matter what their background, no matter what current sin they might be living in, they will know that we are his disciples if we love them. Strive to be a beacon of love and unity in this community. 
just as we have been doing from day one. I think of the Thanksgiving boxes that have been delivered, the Christmas gifts that have been delivered, the meals that have been delivered both at Open Door Ministries and in downtown Greensboro and also through Second Harvest Food Bank. We tackled hunger in this community and this community knows that we exist. But also one other thing, and this hits me closer because of my job. I don't know how many of you remember, but we actually had the chief of police of the High Point Police Department standing on this stage as we gave him a check to buy Narcan. See, Narcan is a drug that immediately counteracts a heroin overdose. And I remember sitting at work one year, one month of one year, and, and we had over and over, it's like every day, more heroin overdose deaths. It was crazy. And I remember asking, why no Narcan exists? Why are we having all of these deaths? And, I, and the police told me. They said, we don't have it in our cars. The ambulances have it. But we're the first people on scene, and we don't have it. And I said, why? They were honest. They said it's, they don't have the budget for it. So I applied for a grant. We got that grant. And then the High Point Police Department was able to have Narcan in their cars. I don't know how many people's lives were saved. They never know that that came from this church. But that's not why we do stuff in the community. We don't do it so that they know us. We don't do it so that they will come here. We do it because that's what we're called to do, to meet the needs of the community where they are at. We don't wait for them to come here to meet their needs. We go to where they are at. Keep that up. Don't ever forget about the needs of the community. Don't ever become just another country club church where you have to come here to get the benefit. Too much that needs to be done in the community that even we're not doing. We can't do everything but focus and make a difference. I want to express my profound gratitude to all of you. Your support, your prayers, your dedication have meant the world to me. I leave with a heart full of gratitude and the knowledge that I'm leaving this church in capable hands. So Taff, as I say my farewell, I have a deep gratitude and immense hope for your future. Remember, our journey as a church is not ending, but rather it's merely evolving. See, the church is not defined by any one person. You know, it took me a while to realize that. I kept thinking and, and I kept fighting and said, well, will this church survive without me? It's an arrogant thought. Church is not me. 
I'm just one person in a church. It's not defined by one person. No matter what role you have in this church, this church isn't defined by you. Let's be honest, if you left, this church would keep on going. If I leave, this church will keep on going. A church is a living, breathing community of faith that takes all of us. May God continue to bless you, to guide each and every one of you. May his light shine brightly through this church as you continue to make a difference in this community and in the world. I pray for God's grace and his guidance as we move forward on this path. Each of us in our respective roles with faith and with love. May God bless you all abundantly. And may his love be a constant source of inspiration and strength in your lives. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your spiritual journey. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for using me in whatever role that was to begin this church. Thank you for those who were standing beside me, propping me up, and helping me all throughout the journey. Lord, I ask your blessing upon this church. May it grow more. May it get even better without me. It was never about me, Lord. It was always 